The Professional Fighters League has global ambitions, and now they have a big pile of cash to make them happen. It's Tuesday, September 5th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Saudi Arabia's SRJ Sports Investments is buying a significant minority stake in the Professional Fighters League. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Hey, Owen. So, um, what's the the deal with this investment? Do we know? Do we have dollar figures? Do we just have a sense of what's going on here? Yeah. So let's zoom out a little bit. We have the Professional Fighters League (PFL). It's one of the top competitors to UFC. If you're an MMA fan out there. It's kind of an upstart league, and Saudi Arabia is now investing in it through its new sports-focused investment company that you mentioned. It's called SRJ Sports Investments. According to the Financial Times, that figure is $100 million. We don't know what size stake that gives this company in PFL, but it's obviously a, a huge dollar figure, and kind of the a, a expansion of Saudi's um growth into the sports realm. They launched this fund, SRJ Sports Investments, just earlier this summer. And this is kind of the big first investment from that company. All the other sports investments that you think of, Live Golf, uh, Formula One, uh, Newcastle United, those are just under the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. People know it as PIF, right? So it's unclear if those are going to transfer to this new company, uh, what's going to happen there. But this is kind of the first big mover for their sports-focused fund from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And what strikes me about this, you just listed off a bunch of the other more notable investments that the PIF has made. And those are all, you know, the biggest names they can find, basically, you know, the the biggest golfers they can get a hold of, a Premier League team, uh, F1, you know, is as big as it's ever been. You know, they're trying to get the World Cup. You know, uh, they're getting as many soccer stars as they can to the Saudi Pro League. This feels more like not exactly a startup, but, you know, something more of a growth investment. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you mentioned that they're going to be bringing a lot of these events to Saudi Arabia. And that was kind of the stated goal of this SRJ fund was to bring more sports and live events to the Saudi Arabia in the Middle East region. So they're going to have pay-per-view events from there. They're going to be starting a regional fighters league there. So that's kind of the focus there where obviously Live Golf has an event uh, that is played in Saudi Arabia, but is mainly US-based and a few other internationals. Obviously, uh, you have Formula One that travels all around the world, right? But there is a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So little things like that. Saudi Arabia really is trying to ramp itself up as a a nation that can host sports events as they probably eye bigger things in the future. Yeah. And one of those bigger things, I mean, they're they're aiming for the 2030 World Cup. They're hosting the 2029 Asian Winter Games uh, and they want the actual Olympics too. Yeah, absolutely. They, they have all those goals, not just for the next 5, 10 years, but 15, 20, 25 years. I think it, people have talked about this at length of Saudi Arabia trying to diversify its assets beyond oil and sports is a huge, a huge um, important importance for them. And it's clear that they're diving into it more and more. Right. And you know, I think they see it, you know, maybe as an investment that will eventually make money, though obviously they're pouring a whole lot more than they're going to get out right away. But it's also a cultural investment, right? It's also them saying, you know, like, think of Saudi Arabia as a sports center, uh, not just like, a you know, a place with a whole lot of oil money. 
Right, exactly. And I, I enjoy watching uh, MMA from time to time. I'll watch some of the bigger UFC fights, but uh, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not sitting there watching PFL fights on a regular basis. And I know there probably are some fans out there that do that, and maybe you know that will change their perception of Saudi Arabia, or maybe they don't like it. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of just another mover and say... Saudi Arabia has a lot of money, right? We don't know exactly how much money this is backing this SRJ sports investments fund, but it's it's probably hundreds of millions, if not billions, right? So this is just a a small piece uh, of the pie. And I would expect more investments coming from this soon and expect those whatever they do invest in to include elements like this PFL deal events in Saudi Arabia, maybe some sort of Saudi Arabian component with a league or event. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, absolutely. David Rumsey, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. In a minute, we'll hear from the head of the Professional Fighters League on what he's going to do with that $100 million. But first, let's check in on the big college football news from this weekend. As I suspect you've seen, Stanford and Cal agreed to join the ACC in 2024, leaving the Pac-12 with only two schools. To review, in June of last year, USC and UCLA announced they were leaving for the Big Ten, seriously devaluing the Pac-12's media rights with no deal in place after this season, and incentivizing other schools to start checking out their other options. Oregon and Washington followed the two LA area schools to the Big Ten, and Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado went to the Big 12. With Cal and Stanford, two Pacific Coast teams leaving for the Atlantic Coast Conference, only Oregon State and Washington State remain. The Pac-12 has not lost a school since 1959, but as of August of next year, it will have lost everything. In other news, one of those departing schools, Colorado, played one of the most anticipated college football games in recent memory on Saturday, and it somehow lived up to the hype. This was the first game under head coach Deion Sanders, who has remade the roster with astonishing speed. The Buffaloes took on TCU as a three-touchdown underdog and came away with a three-point win. Deion's son, Shadur Sanders, threw for 510 yards and four touchdowns. It's just one game, and they only won by three points. But it shows the potential for the Coach Prime hype to become the next big story in college sports, with donor and merchandise dollars likely to follow, along with the school becoming more desirable for top recruits. Before Saturday, I'd been wondering, what happens if after all the attention, the team is still pretty bad? Now I'm wondering, what happens if they're good? Up next, I spoke to Don Davis, founder, chairman, and co-owner of the Professional Fighters League. The PFL has been making some headlines recently, taking that reported $100 million plus investment from Saudi Arabia's surge fund. And on Friday, our own AJ Perez reported exclusively that the PFL is in talks to acquire MMA company Bellator from Paramount. Don didn't have a whole lot to say on the latter point, but had plenty to say on what's going to happen with that $100 million, and that conversation is next. I'm joined now by Don Davis, founder, chairman, and co-owner of the Professional Fighters League. Welcome, Don. Thanks for having me, Owen. Great to have you back. So the PFL received an investment from Saudi Arabia's SRJ Sports Investment Co. Reports have put that around and figure over $100 million. What's the plan for that money? Well, over the past five years, PFL has gone from nothing, no viewers, no fighters, no fans, to the clear number two. We hope and plan with this next $100 million to become the co-leader in MMA over the next five years. More regional leagues, more star fighters, more audience growth. So that's our plan with this $100 million investment with our new partners. 
Yeah, on the regional leagues end of it, um, you guys recently signed Francis Naganu, who has spoken about uh, bringing fights to Africa. Do you think there, is that going to happen? Will there even be a league there? Absolutely. Uh, we committed to do PFL Africa in 2025, PFL Mideast in 2024, PFL Europe launched this year in 2023. We hope to have six of these international regional leagues by 2026. The champions of each will then fight each other, which will be a great event. Think of it as the uh, Champions League of MMA. And the winner of each, each year goes to PFL Global. So for the first time ever in MMA, there's a true system or a true path for emerging star fighters from these different regions around the world. So you can come right outside with the PFL, fight your way to become a world champion, fight your way up to become a global champion, and become even a biggest pay-per-view star. Never existed in MMA before. So now wherever you are as a fighter, wherever you are as a fan, PFL will be there. So we've got, you're planning a, a league in the Middle East, you've got one in Europe, planning one in Africa, um, or are we counting one in the U.S. as as one of the six? No. Okay. No, what we have in the United States is really PFL Global. It's the okay, biggest fighters it. from 30 countries, the biggest stars from around the world. Yes. And so I think that leaves another three um, that you're planning on launching. Where are those going to be? There's a big opportunity, obviously, in Asia, big opportunity in Latin America and even Mexico, big opportunity in Australia, big opportunity in India, even a big opportunity long term. Uh, you know, I think in in Russia. So those are eight that I named. And of those eight, I think we'll have six. Got it. All right. And getting back to this investment, what kind of a relationship does this create between the PFL and the SRJ fund and perhaps with Saudi Arabia? Yeah, the, the surge partners took a minority equity stake. So they're obviously just capital investors, but obviously they open a lot of doors for us. They are the most global and the most uh, influential sports investors in the world right now. So we're, we're, we're pleased that they'll be there, not just as capital partners, but be able to introduce us on a global basis to other strategic partners who might help propel the PFL business forward. Yeah, and I understand there's going to be um, regular fights in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we hope to take one big pay-per-view to Riyadh in 2024. We think we'll make that announcement within the next couple of months. And we hope to take one big pay-per-view event to, to Saudi Arabia every single year. So I think we'll do that in terms of the partnership. And then we'll also do this PFL Mideast League, which will be the number one league regionally for talent um, and events in that region starting next year. So those are two initial strategic items that we'll do with our new partners, the pay-per-view event each year and the PFL Mideast League. Obviously, a lot goes into launching a league. One thing that, that I'm kind of curious about is how you plan to source talent, because you're going to have to you know, establish connections and you know, maybe even you know, training centers or whatever it takes uh, in each of these different places all over the world. Um, what, what's going to go into that? Look, it's a great question. And UFC doesn't talk much about this. They like to just you know, have like Dana pick out people that he thinks fight well. We have a much more systematic and a much more global system than just one guy. We scout about 10,000 fighters around the world. Um, think of it in baseball terms. You're scouting single A, double A, triple A, and major league talent. Obviously, the very biggest talent in the world fights in the PFL Global League, but that's only 72 fighters a year. That's it out of 10,000 fighters who can compete at that level. The PFL Challenger Series, there's another 100 fighters that can, can fight in the PFL Challenger Series. PFL Europe, PFL Mideast, PFL Africa, 
Those are regionalized, but that's another level of talent. And then obviously we offer developmental contracts underneath that. So we have databases as well as relationships, as well as talent scouts globally that try to keep our eye on the ball all the way down to single A baseball around the world with those 10,000 fighters. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you mentioned those developmental contracts. One thing that's come up I mean, with, with UFC, among others, is the issue of, of fighter pay. You know, they're facing litigation around that. But um, one, how big an issue is that in your industry? And also, two, how are you going to kind of monitor that and, and you know, find a, a good way of, um, of making sure everyone's appropriately compensated all over the globe? Well, the biggest thing that PFL has done for the MMA industry is create opportunity. Prior to us, if you were a fighter, you did not have another premium company to go to other than UFC. Yes, you had options, but they didn't have global distribution, premium pay, best distribution and brand, great organization to work for until the PFL came along. So think of it as though you worked in a small company town with no car. You had to take those company options that they gave you. There's now two companies in that town and you have a car. (laughs) That's the analogy I like to give if you're a fighter today. UFC is a great company, but PFL is a great company. We do everything they do and we do some things better. One, we pay better. And two, you're in control in the PFL. You're not under somebody's thumb. What you do inside the cage controls your future. So we've never had a fighter leave PFL. In five years, we're not a feeder league. Not one has ever left. When they get here, they go, this is fantastic. And two, we've recruited a lot from the other guys. (laughs) Francis Nagano being the latest and the biggest. So we think our system of treating athletes fighter first will prove to be the better system long term. But the best thing we can do for the fighter and the industry and our own company is be fighter first and create opportunity. So using your baseball metaphor, you know, the, the major league players, they're, they're doing fine. They get paid. How far, you know, in, in the fighter world, do, is, can you make a living if you're, you know, a triple A, double A, single A fighter? Yeah, look, I think if you, for example, if you fight in PFL Europe right now or you fight in the PFL Challenger Series, you can make a living, but it's hard for you to get the best coaching to pay the best team to be around you, that's a big, how do you get better? Because remember, you have to do that all on your own. It's not like when we see hard knocks in New York Jets, all that stuff they provide you to get better, right? Here, you have to do that on your own. So I think part of what we're trying to do with PFL Europe or part of our system is how do we give you access to better coaches? How do we give you access to better facilities? And also, how do we give you access to better exposure? Because that's the big deal building your brand and building your opportunities, which we do with our TV contracts, which we do with our social media, is a big opportunity for you as a fighter to continue to make more money and continue to allow you to have better choices for yourself. Jumping back one more time to the the, um, the surge investment, um, Saudi Arabia obviously has this broader strategy around sports that involves bringing events to the country and diversifying its economy and changing its reputation internationally. Um, is, do you feel like you're in a comfortable place as being part of that strategy? Yeah, I think we're a global league with global fighters. And we want to take fights all around the globe. And we want to introduce MMA all around the globe. So we're going to take our pay-per-view of fights over the next decade everywhere. We're going to take our PFL championship over the next decade 
everywhere. We're going to sign the best fighters from everywhere. I remember last year, we were very disappointed when we could not get some of our Russian fighters visas into London for a playoff event. So we are pro-athlete. You know, we want athletes to have opportunities from everywhere into everywhere. And as you expand, do you see the PFL potentially acquiring other MMA companies? I think when you look at other MMA companies, um, I would focus on the talent and the fighter talent. That's really the only thing of value now um, that PFL has established itself is the clear number two by every metric. We already have premium brand. We already have the best product on TV. We already have global distribution with top media partners in 150 countries. And we already have the fastest growing revenue business infrastructure. So no other company offers us everything, anything other than we like fighter talent that exists in some other companies. They've acquired some great fighters. UFC doesn't have a monopoly on great fighters. PFL doesn't have a monopoly on great fighters. Great fighters exist everywhere. Now, those fighters tend to roll off contracts every two years. So we can acquire them that way. But if there were enough fighters that we could acquire at one time, that would be an interesting opportunity. So what's the next thing we should be watching for from you guys as, you know, as these plans unfold? Look, I, I think the big thing to look for is what are these guys going to do now? <laughs> right? The last five years, a lot of people said, we love that product. We love that vision. Will they have enough money to go up against that big dog, UFC? Well, now we do. <laughs> so what are we going to do from here? And I think it's a great day for fans and a great day for fighters because the MMA market is very new. I mean, Owen, as you know, 25-year-old market. Basketball is a 75-year-old market. So in that growth curve we all learned at business school, this game is just starting. And so if you're a fan of MMA and if you're a fighter in MMA, game on. You know, have another great company to watch and another great company to work for. And I think 2024 is going to be an interesting year. All right. Don Davis, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you very much, Owen. That is it for today. We have a nice short week coming up with some big names on this show. Subscribe, you won't want to miss it. And if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend or just tell me. I'm at Owen Poindexter on Twitter. Always enjoy hearing from you. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.